So this morning we begin our new series, Thinking About the Church. We'll be thinking about what it is, what it does, uh, what it's for. And there are two books that have been really uh, influential in forming this series. One of them is God's New Community by Graham Bainan, and one, the other one is called Body Beautiful by Melvin Tinker and Nathan Buttery. Uh, these are brilliant books, so if you want to do some extra reading on the church, I recommend these two books uh, to you. Our title this morning is, What is uh, the Church? Uh, And that's what we're going to be thinking about. So let's pray before we get into that and ask God to help us this morning. Father, we thank you that we can gather together uh, this morning as your church. Help us across this series to see once again, to be reminded, to see for the first time uh, what the church is. Help us by your spirit uh, to live out our calling as your people so that you uh, may be glorified and so that your church may be built. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do people define the church? How would you define uh, the church? Maybe just turn to the person next year. Uh, how, how do people define church? Okay, what do we come up with? Somebody want to shout, shout out? Say that again. A body of people. Yeah, great, thank you. Family. Chosen. Great. What better way to embarrass somebody? (laughs) What's been great about those answers is that uh, they all involve people. Because when we think of church, we should think of people. That should be the image in our mind. When anybody ever mentions the word church, the thing that should pop into our minds uh, are the faces of people. Uh, Because that is what church is. And that is what the word church means. It means Uh, gathering. Uh, And so when we think of church, of the church, we need to think in terms of people. The the world may define church as a building or um, a place where coffee mornings happen or uh, a place where uh, it is filled with hypocrites It may be a particular denomination. And so it's really important that we 
uh, as the church that gathers here, uh, understands what the church is so that we can uh, be the church in the world around us. And, and this, uh, these are the people uh, that make up the church. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. The church is made up of a, a group of people who have come to the living stone. And the living stone is Jesus. Uh, and this Jesus was the one who uh, was rejected, who was despised, who was put uh, on a cross, even though he had done no wrong. But he was put on that cross uh, freely. He gave his life freely uh, so that we might uh, be forgiven of sin and have life in him. And so that is the church. The church is a gathering of people who have come to the living stone, who believe and trust in Jesus, the one who died and rose again. It's a group of people who make the same confession that Peter made in the reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 16. Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say John, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So that's what people say, but what about you? As my disciples, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? And Simon, answering on behalf of the group, uh, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is uh, who makes up the church. People who have come to the living stone, who make the same confession as, as Peter, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that he is God's anointed king, that came to bring about God's uh, rescue and salvation. The church is a people who have come to believe and trust in Jesus, in who he is, in who he says he is. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, I think I've used this before, uh, says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. The church is made up of a group of people who have come to the living stone who recognize who Jesus is and what he has done for them. We've seen it all this summer, haven't we, as we've looked at the I am sayings of Jesus. Jesus is saying that I am God. This is who I am and this is why I came. And so Jesus divides there are those who have come to the living stone and there are those who haven't. There are those who accept and there are those uh, who reject. Uh, and it was true then that people rejected and it's true now that people still reject uh, Jesus. 
they reject uh, who he says he is. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the only way to the Father, uh, you either accept that or you reject that. And there are many people today who uh, reject uh, that truth. There's no middle ground. Uh, People are either in or not. Uh, And everyone must decide. And so the church uh, is those who have come to Jesus by faith. Those who treasure Jesus. That precious stone. Uh, Those are the ones who Peter continues in verse 5. Are themselves like living stones, being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And so the church is made up of a group of people who have come to the living stone, Jesus, who by faith believe and trust in him. Those people themselves are living stones, who are themselves being built up into this spiritual house, into the temple of God. And so just as a builder goes to work building a physical house with stones, God puts his builder's hat on and goes about building his house. Not with uh, these kind of stones, but with these kind of stones, living stones. He builds his house, his temple uh, with us, with those who have come to the living stone by faith. And that's the picture that Peter has in mind as he writes. It's the picture of the Old Testament temple. That was the place where God's presence dwelt. That was the place where God would meet with his people. And so Peter's writing, uh, saying that the temple of the Old Testament was a picture of what God is doing now. He is building his temple, his spiritual house, uh, not uh, with physical stones, but with uh, living stones, with stones who believe and trust in Jesus. And you'll remember what Jesus said of himself in John's gospel, uh, that he said uh, the temple that he was speaking about that would uh, be destroyed and be rebuilt in three days, he said that that temple that he's speaking about was in fact himself. So Jesus is that temple. But he's also the cornerstone of the temple. Verse 7, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus himself is the temple, but he's also the cornerstone of the temple. And now in him... God is building a new temple where God would dwell and meet with his people. Again, in the Old Testament, uh, it was only the priest who who could enter God's presence, uh, and that only once a year. Uh, And the priest uh, went on behalf of the people before God. But also the priest's role was um, on behalf of God to the people. But there is no need anymore for a special priest as we meet together. Because all who 
have come to the living stone Jesus by faith, through him now have direct access to God, who is our Father. In Corinthians, uh, Paul writes, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not at your own. Believers, Christians, those who have come by faith to the living stone are themselves stones, living stones being built up as part of God's temple. And it's there that God dwells. Just think about that for a moment. As believers, as people who have come to the living stone by faith, come to Jesus, God dwells in us. What an amazing uh, truth uh, to try and grasp. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? What an amazing truth uh, that is, that God dwells in us, in his people, in uh, this spiritual house, uh, this temple. And so as we gather together this morning, God is with us because he dwells amongst his people. I was listening to something the other day on Premier Christian Radio um, and I didn't catch right at the beginning, so I don't know who it was. But the pastor, the preacher, um, began by asking uh, the people who were gathered there that day to create an atmosphere in order uh, to welcome the Holy Spirit into their gathering, to welcome God uh, where they were. But from what we read here, we don't need to do that. We don't need to create any kind of atmosphere uh, so that God might show up. We don't need to beg God to be with us as his people because he's already here. He dwells in his people. He dwells within uh, his spiritual house, within his temple. He is with us. So no matter where we gather as Christians, uh, God is with us. And, and that's That's amazing. God dwells with his people. Uh, and wherever we gather, he is there with us. And so that's why when uh, you go on holiday and you uh, visit the local church, it's like you've been there a hundred times before, even though that might be the first time you've been there. Because uh, as people who have come to the living stone by faith, we are part of his church. And God is with us. Uh, and so it's amazing to go to different churches uh, and just feel so welcome and part of the church because we're all part of the same spiritual house. The place where God dwells. And so the church is not a building. It's not made of concrete stones. The church is a people uh, and it's made and put together by living stones If we were to turn up 
one Sunday morning and this building uh, had fallen down. Trinity Church would still be standing. It would still be standing because the church is not a building. It's a people who have come to the living stone by faith, who believe and trust uh, in Jesus uh, and believe and declare that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so if you ever wonder whether it's important that we meet together, is, is it important that I get up this morning and come to church? Or not to church because the church isn't a building, it's a people. Um, so if you ever wonder whether it was, it was worth getting up on a Sunday morning and coming and gathering together uh, and being with the church, uh, the answer is yes. Yes, it is important uh, because you are the church. You are a stone, a living stone in God's church. And so if you ever wonder that, the answer is yes, it's important that we meet together because you are one of the stones that makes up God's church. And so why would you not want to be together with the other stones that are part of God's church? We'll want to be uh, together. We'll want to spend time uh, together. Next week, we look at Acts uh, chapter 2, and we'll see how they devoted themselves to one another. They did that because they were part of God's spiritual house, because they were part of his church. And let's not forget how God sees us in verse 9. You are God's special possession. That's how God sees his church, as his special possession. That's who we are. And so as God goes about building his temple with living stones, he says of us that we are also chosen, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, uh, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so just as in the Old Testament, uh, there were priests, uh, in God's uh, spiritual temple, this new community that he's brought together in Jesus, uh, we are a holy priesthood. And so uh, we as priests have access to God uh, and we serve God and we represent God uh, to the people by communicating his word uh, and we represent the people before God uh, as we bring our offerings of praise and thanks uh, to him for his goodness. Because that, that's one of the things that we're to do. We're to offer ourselves as a sacrifice acceptable to God through uh, Christ. And it's not a sacrifice in the sense of uh, making any atonement for our sin because we know that Jesus has already done that on the cross. Our sacrifice uh, is twofold. It's a sacrifice of praise. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The sacrifice that we offer is one of praise. It's from our lips we declare the wonders and goodness of God. Uh, and secondly, uh, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. 
live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you. We offer our sacrifice with our words uh, and with how we live, with our deeds, living such good lives uh, among the world around us. It's a life of praise to God, declaring uh, his greatness, his rescue, making much of him in the world. And we display that uh, as we live our new lives in him to the world around us. We show the world what it looks like to live under his rule, to live under him as our king, as we head towards our eternal home in glory. Paul says in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Every aspect of our lives, every aspect of how we live, whatever we do, should say something uh, about uh, the Lord's greatness and goodness uh, to us. Our lives should glorify Him for who he is and what he has done. And just as the priests in the Old Testament offered sacrifices to God, we uh, offer our lives to him and we serve him in all that we do. And so let me ask, how are we getting on with that? Do our lives declare the glory of God? Do our lips speak of his goodness? Are we giving our whole lives over to him? Or do we hold certain bits back uh, for ourselves? Do we uh, keep our faith and our work separate? Or is it obvious to those around us uh, that we are a living stone who has uh, come by faith to the living stone in Christ? Do we use our time and our talents and our treasures uh, for him with grateful hearts for all that he has done uh, for us? As a church, which is a people who have come to the living stone Jesus by faith and are being built up as living stones uh, into his uh, spiritual temple, his spiritual house, we are to declare the praises uh, of our God as people who have been brought out of darkness into his wonderful light. How can we not, as a church, uh, declare praises to God? How can we not speak of all that he has done uh, for us? How can we not speak of his greatness and his goodness to the world uh, around us? And so this morning, as we begin this series, What is the Church?, and that is the question today. Uh, the church uh, is a people who gather as those uh, who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus, the living stone, who have been built up as part of his uh, spiritual temple, who declare by their lips and by their lives the greatness of our God. And so let's give thanks to him that he's building his church that as he said in Matthew 16, nothing uh, will prevent that from happen, happening. Let's declare 
uh, his praises through our words and through our lips uh, and through our lives so that he may be glorified by those who live here and in the world. Amen.